Welcome to Flyover Conservative Podcast with David and Stacy Whited, where we break down current events and examine culture through the lens of conservative Christian values. Today, we have two guests on the Flyover Conservative show. Our first is a journalist podcaster with the Christian Post who has reported extensively on the developments of the gender identity movement and transgender ideology. We've had him on the show a couple of times. And our second guest is an author, an educator, and an entrepreneur. He's become one of America's most respected authorities on youth leadership development. Welcome to the show, Brandon Showalter and Dr. Jeff Myers. Wow. Welcome. Got a lot of mental horsepower right there on the screen. (laughs) Stacy, thank you. Hey, David. Yes, glad to have you. Welcome back, Brandon. Man, this is a big topic that we're going to cover today. You all just had a book that just came out uh, that we want to address. It's called Exposing the Gender Lie, and we're going to be talking about that today. You can find it when you go to summit.org on their homepage, or you can go to summit.org forward slash protect to go directly uh, to that. We'll also put the link in the notes below. I mean, this we're, is- at a, we're at an interesting crossroads in human history where we have big topics that it's kind of like, you know, Try, people trying to, you know, pick up a, a big waterbed mattress or something. You know, you can't hardly wrap your arms around some of these ideas that we're grappling with. Mm-hmm. But one thing I love about both of you is you've done a lot of work in private. Jeff, you've been on this for years. Our, our son Colton went through one of your programs yeah. a decade ago mm-hmm. where you helped, you know, up and coming teen leaders, you know, struggle and work through and, and articulate some of the toughest topics of their time and some of the things you were projecting then or what we're dealing with today. So it's an honor to have both of you guys come together to, to, to again, help people articulate things that most people our age don't even have a language for yep. or an awareness that yeah. exists. That's exactly right. So Dr. Jeff, what made you uh, decide to write this book? Well, I Brandon Showalter and I had met last summer, and uh, I'd heard of his work through the Christian Post. I knew that he had for several years been an investigative doing investigative reporting on transgenderism. Mm -hmm. And it's a topic that I had become increasingly concerned about, you know, as through Summit Ministries, we seem to be on the front lines whenever something starts happening in youth culture. uh, We know about it right away. We have students who are coming to our programs who are involved in it. And so we've been thinking a great deal about this idea that you can uncouple sexuality and gender and that there are potentially millions of different genders and that gender is entirely what you have inside of your head mm-hmm. has nothing to do with your biological sex. And, and we realized that if you uncouple sex and gender, you are in essence taking away one of the very last things that people can use to yeah. understand the nature of reality itself. Mm-hmm. So we saw this as an attack on truth. If you can get little boys and girls to look at one another and say, there is no difference you can convince them of anything. They become the perfect propaganda targets for whatever agenda manages to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And it's so true. And Brandon, you've done several documentaries and now this book. What what are you hoping that well, people Brand- will gain Brandon's from been it? with with Tucker Carlson, I know, and uh, now exactly. I just I'm just I'm glad Brandon decided to take a couple minutes out to hang out with us today. <laughs> this is he, he's uh, making an exception and lowering his standards a little. True, that is very no. true. So, what made you decide to write this book? What are you hoping that people get out of this, Brandon? 
Well, it was a, as Jeff said, we met in, met last summer in Arizona. And it, it, as interestingly enough, we had planned to Zoom because he had heard of my work uh, together. And then we found out that we were going to be in the same, you know, I was speaking at a conference in Arizona and we met there. And in late July, we put our heads together and he said, if we can collaborate on a project where we can equip pastors, lay ministers, mm-hmm. youth leaders to understand, help people unpack this ideology with the philosophical tools, with the goal of equipping them to know how to protect children and youth and teens and young adults from its dangers, particularly because of the incursion of this dogma into the medical arena. I think the medical harm is the worst harm that this ideology causes, though there's not a single area of, of life that is impacted when you, when you (laughs) introduce the lie that men can be women Mm -hmm. and vice versa. This is such an attack on epistemology, how we know what we know, and how we conceptualize, distinguish truth from falsehood, reality from unreality. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were just in Texas last week, Dr. Jeff and I were, with um, a panel from my podcast series here at the Christian Post called Generation Indoctrination. We had two panels, uh, and one of our panelists was a representative who's a prison advocate. She was once incarcerated, and now there are men who self-declare as female, and even though they're rapists and hardened criminals, they're allowed mm-hmm. to be incarcerated with women in their correctional facilities. It's an absolute nightmare. Uh, but, the, I mean, <laughs> but we wanted to articulate the harms in exposing the gender lie specifically about how to protect children because I believe that transgenderism is not only one of the worst medical scandals the world has ever seen, it yeah. is responsible for some of the most horrific and unmitigated child abuse ever known to man. Mm-hmm. Totally. David, David, Stacy, I want to jump in here real quick. Mm -hmm. It's really important to both Brandon and me to know that we are not blaming confused kids for this. Right. That that we are. This there is an industry that is targeting them for the purposes of making billions of dollars in profit, and there is an ideology that is targeting them because it benefits from the confusion that they experience. Mm -hmm. As Brandon puts it, it is a feature, not a bug, of the transgender project. So industry and ideology, those are the two things to keep in mind. Uh, Yes, there are children out there who who are bullied because they don't conform to uh, cultural stereotypes of masculinity or femininity. Those children deserve to be protected, but they're actually being victimized by the very people who ought to Mm -hmm. protect them. And that is a great point. Let me ask you a question. How much is being made right now in the medical industry um, with everything that's going on? It's hard to tell exactly what the figures are, but but we can break it down a little bit. A child who is told, the parents are told by the doctor, you need to put your child on a puberty blocker because, uh, you know, it's a boy who th- thinks that... Uh, feels like a girl. Mm -hmm. And so you need to put the child on puberty blockers. That puberty blocker, Lupron, ordinarily used to treat prostate cancer in men, endometriosis in women, very effective, is used off-label without FDA approval for the purposes of puberty blocking for children who are diagnosed gender dysphoric Mm -hmm. at a cost of, it seems to be right around $30,000 a year. Wow. And so as long as that child needs to be on the puberty blocker and then, of course, transition to cross-sex hormones, you've got a lifetime customer. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, let's say that's for let's one, see, one per individual. That's one, per, that's one person. So you had 42,000 people in 2001 who were minors who were diagnosed gender dysphoric. That number seems to be doubling or tripling every single year. So you can do the math. Uh, this is why the transgender standards of care, which were written by transgender activists, incidentally, uh, state that it is, quote unquote, medically necessary for children to undergo medicalization if they mm -hmm. have a gender dysphoria diagnosis. The reason is because they want insurance companies, Medicare, Medicaid to pay for it. But they have now said if you're if you're gender dysphoric, you it is medically necessary for you to undergo these uh, hormone treatments mm. and then ultimately surgery. And uh, so we're talking billions, tens of billions of dollars, 20, 30, 40 billion dollars a year that wow. could potentially be earned by the pharmaceutical industry and by the medical uh, clinics that have been set up in the United States. You know, most countries have one or two. We have 300 mm -hmm. And 60 that are pediatric, that are specifically oh focused on bringing children in who are confused about their gender and mutilating them. And what I'll are this? To, I'll, oh, go ahead, Brandon. Well, I'll just add to that. And then we haven't even gotten to the surgery, mm -hmm. which if everybody remembers Matt Walsh and his crew down at the Daily Wire exposed Vanderbilt, where they actually had a doctor on tape saying, mm -hmm. This is a great moneymaker because these surgeries, they're not doing anything to repair the body. They're intentionally harming it yep. because your body is intended to function as a whole functioning organism. Mm -hmm. And so if you're removing physically healthy body parts in pursuit of a physical impossibility, of course, you're going to have complications. And with more complications, there are going to be, you know, more more need for the hospital. There's yep. going to be a follow-up care. It's going to be a moneymaker for them. I often say when I do interviews and it just, because, you know, I talked about earlier about with, you know, barking up a tree and whatnot and sounding like a crazy man for the last few years. Finally, people are starting to see the harms that we at the Christian Post mm -hmm. have been reporting on for years. I mean, it's it sounds so tinfoil hat conspiracy to say that medical institutions are making money off of sterilizing and disfiguring young, healthy bodies. But that is, I promise you, what is happening. Uh, there was some figures I've seen from the American Society for Plastic Surgeons where I've seen charts. Good numbers can be hard to find in this space, but I've seen the data of gender dysphoria surgeries where between 2016 and 2017, the number of females who underwent such surgeries quadrupled. Wow. I mean, not, that's not an organic development that, that, I mean, and even during the 2020 you know, pandemic, when mm -hmm. a lot of healthcare facilities were locked down, my reading of the numbers show that those surgeries continue to rise. There's been a steady increase, I think 15% between 2019 and 2020. I mean, average, if you I remember crunching the numbers at one point where if you took the numbers from that was recorded for breast amputations of girls who believe they're boys, um, for I believe 2020, and you divide that by 261, which is business days in a year, we're averaging 32.7, I believe, breast amputations per day in this Whoa. country. We're, we're disfiguring our young people left and right, all in service to a lie. Okay, so where's this coming from? Why are we seeing such a, a massive yeah. increase? Let me even reword it this way, and I'd like to come to you know a solution to this as well, but for a lot of people, this came on, like before Leah Thomas was swimming, you know, with the girls, a lot of people, I, 
Was this the first person this right. has ever like that? It was just not on the radar for most mm-hmm. people, or or you know, maybe they had a different kind of wake up moment, and then maybe they heard of the Matt Walsh documentary and some pushback mm-hmm. on things, and you know, Biden's addressed you know some issues, but an advocate for that industry would they say, hey, there's always been 30 percent of our population that that was misidentified in their gender they were always the the the, the wrong spirit in the right body right body wrong spirit or what, what what is the their their argument for what happened the last 5000 years and how this has been diagnosed yeah. up until 5 minutes ago mm-hmm. what's what's their argument for this well it's it's hard to sift through all of the lies and that's why mm-hmm. we wrote this this book with 102 different citations mostly from secular sources because uh, if you see news uh, from transgender advocates, it's almost a hundred percent of the time a total fabrication, a total lie. The uh, their analysis of the studies all wrong. Their analysis of what the problem is and the solution all wrong. Their understanding of biology totally wrong. There's six thousand five hundred catalog differences between males and females. It's not just a matter of secondary sex mm-hmm. characteristics. So if you trace back where that all began, it, uh, I, I was actually a doctoral student. In my university, working on a PhD, focusing on uh, child development in communication, and and that in that program we were we were given resources to read, including one article called "Doing Gender" that said that gender is not uh, your biological sex. Gender is a performance based on your self perception. That was thirty mm. years ago. So what's taught in the classroom in one generation will be believed and practiced in government and in society in the next. What we're seeing is not a brand new phenomenon, but a rising up of the iceberg uh, through time. Wow. So are you seeing it because are we seeing more today because of social media? Um, Is it popular right now? Is that the thing to be like, where do you guys, what are you guys seeing with that? Yeah, Brandon, you want to jump in on that? I will gladly tackle that. And yes, there is, I think it's indisputably true that this phenomenon uh, is the result in large part due to a social contagion largely fueled by the internet, social media, websites like Tumblr and YouTube, especially in the last five years. Jeff is correct that the overarching ideology has been gestating within our academic institutions for many decades. And so it seems to have been a perfect storm. Uh, And then the phrase that I often use is ideological or institutional capture, because once ideologues can get in charge of several key institutions, especially in something is as influential as government or in the medical system. And then academic activists can re-engineer health guidelines or standards of care. Then that becomes the standard that governs uh, everything. The media is the other big one. If they can manipulate the very words we use and overtake our very means of communications, you can shift perceptions in keeping with their ideological aims and a lot can change very quickly. Um, but I do think that the social contagion aspect, particularly in a fragmented time where there has been a breakdown of faith and where there's been a breakdown of family and you have a generation of youth that's just crying out for identity. Well, the industry is ready to step in and market these medical products to them as though this is the pathway to liberation, to becoming their authentic self, as transgender activists like to, like to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is, is that it's, it's all a lie. We, we chose the name of our book, Exposing the Gender Lie, because it is physically impossible 
to become the opposite sex. Gender identity always undermines sex of the body. That's always the target. And I stress repeatedly whenever I talk to people about this, never, ever, ever say the word gender when what you really mean is sex, because mm-hmm. that's where the confusion has begun. The two mm-hmm. words were used interchangeably for the for most of history, and indeed, yeah. the 60s, the word gender didn't even really exist in medicine, didn't have a medicalized connotation to it. And people to this day still do, and I get it, because... You know, you look at the word gender, you see the word gene as in genetics, which then informs the biologic word sex. But gender ideologues have an entire theoretical edifice built around this notion that gender is just a performance, as Jeff was saying. And to be sure, there are gender norms. There is a social aspect to gender. But gender ideology always attacks the sex of the body. They'll say, I'm not changing my sex. I'm just changing my gender. Well, then why are you removing sex organs? Why are you you taking drugs to alter your reproductive capacity? Yes, you are trying to change your sex, but you're just filling it with this argle-bargle about gender. And Jeff and I just won't be gaslit by any of it. Mm, that is huge. You got the, the the book up here exposing the the gender lie. Um, can you list again exactly where people can get yeah, that? Yeah, they again? can. They can go to summit.org forward slash protect. Right now, you can get on the homepage when you go to summit.org. But when you go to summit.org forward slash protect, it takes you right to the book. Um, so they have a PDF. They have the hard copy as well. Um, okay, so as you were talking, um, I just kept thinking who. Who is pushing this? You know, so, and when did it start in the schools? Obviously, when COVID hit, parents started finding out a lot about curriculum that they didn't know about because they were seeing it over Zoom at home. But has this, and Jeff, you kind of, Dr. Jeff, you kind of addressed this earlier that it was in colleges. When did it go down to the grade schools and the high schools? And become aligned with the teachers' unions. Yes. Specifically. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, uh, so there's a lot of complicity here, and it's difficult to sort it all out. There was a helpful article in January 2023 in the Journal of Sex and Marital Therapy, which is one of the most highly respected journals in the field of psychology. They examined 140 different studies related to transgender. They discovered a couple of things. First of all, that that uh, the people who've been promoting transgender have been lying all along. Mm-hmm. And they've got 140 different studies they examined wow. in, in the process of this. The second thing they discovered is that what seems to have happened in the medical field is what the authors call runaway diffusion. That they hear of some experimental procedure and then begin to assume that it's normal. In the United States, because people realized they could make money off of this, they began to form g- uh, these gender clinics and then pediatric gender clinics all across the country to bring in and put onto a regimen of medical treatment and ultimately surgery uh, tens of thousands of children. Well, how do you get customers for those? Mm-hmm. You send the people who run the gender clinics into the schools to train the teachers to be sensitive to transgender issues. And guess what the teachers conclude? That the only rational process for a child who says that they don't identify with their biological sex is to send them to the gender clinic where they become a customer. So you have the school to clinic pipeline because the clinics have come to believe that this is a way to make a huge amount of money and to come across as compassionate in the process, by the way, it's a double win. Mm -hmm. And then they send the people into the schools to train the teachers and now they've got a pipeline. Wow. And it's only, you know, magnified when you have the left is so in control of all the levers of media, Mm -hmm. movies, messaging, uh, you have Drew Barrymore on her knees before a transgender, you know, male, you know, this kind of thing. It's, it's, it, it, nobody wants 
to step forward and be an awful person, to be the first mm-hmm. one to have a rock thrown at them. So a lot of people kind of step back and say, hey, I don't even want to engage in this topic because it's too complicated. I really don't have the language to articulate it. And I certainly don't want to be on the wrong side of history. I don't want to be looked at as a racist or a bad person or any whatever name. They just they, People just want to kind of go to work and come home. And I think for a large part, you know, the Christian community specifically probably just kind of turns away from it, moves forward and figures there's other battles to focus on. I think that that's right. And I think that this issue for so long has been so bizarre and obscure and they just don't get it because it is horrible and it's too unpleasant to even think about. And so they just don't, or they, this kind of analysis paralysis sets in and it's just, they can't even have, can't be bothered with it and they don't think it's going to affect them. Well, let me tell you, David and Stacey, every mom and dad that calls me says some version of the following to me. I never thought let anything like this could happen to me. They're totally blindsided and their lives are then shattered. And that's not too strong of a word. I mean, this completely upends a family and it completely destroys your life because there's not a single area that doesn't turn to ash when it invades your home. Uh, when I was on your show the last time, um, I was speaking about a movie, a documentary film called Dead Name, which yep. I think mm-hmm. I think that film and the issues that are explored in it holds the key in addition to the rising numbers of detransitioners now raising their voice. But the Dead Name film profiles the families that have been broken by this. And I think only the most cruel people among us don't you know, want fam- want families to be fractured. Well, that's what this does. And as their voices are heard, and as we hear the voices of those who have been irreversibly harmed, sterilized, disfigured, they've been through the medical meat grinder, mm-hmm. hopefully then if we can be heard, we'll win because we just have to puncture the media blockade, which is all in on the, mm-hmm. the, the trans stuff. <laughs> and yep. just as, as case in point, I mean, we're, we're just yesterday, Three Christian children and three Christian school uh, folks were, were murdered in Nashville, Tennessee. And the media, I kid you not, it's so disgusting. They're bringing up the fact that Tennessee, where this murder, this mass murder happened, I'm, I'm seeing ABC and Newsweek make the connection. Well, Tennessee just recently banned gender-affirming care. They recently banned drag coaches. They cannot help themselves. Mm-hmm. So even as Christian children have their bodies riddled with bullets, they're bringing up these issues. Mm-hmm associating it with, I mean, it's just unbelievable. They have no shame, but that's what we're up against. We've got a media pushing this as the next frontier of civil rights and those oogity boogity Christians who oppose it. Meanwhile, um, count the carnage is yeah. just, the bodies keep yeah. piling up. And uh, I think we are long overdue for a reckoning, but I mm-hmm. sense that one is at hand. So question one for of the, you. Oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, one, one, one of the chapters in the in the book that that we've been talking about, Exposing the Gender Lie, which is available for free, by the way, because Brandon and I didn't want to – we want people to be able to forward it as widely as possible. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you can download that. But one of the chapters is the twisting of – transgender twisting of language, destroying the very idea of language as a way to understand reality. That's important Mm -hmm. to understand in relation to the Nashville shooting. You know, the news came out and said it was a transgender woman. Well, then they, but the transgender woman, according to the lingo, is actually a a male, someone who was born male, but now identifies as female. So was it a male or was it a female? Then a couple of news sources came out later and said, no, it was a trans male, which means someone who was born female, Female. but now identifies as male. 
Mm-hmm. And then by the end of the night, Brannard and I were going back and forth on, on this with our team. <laughs> by the end of the evening, all of the headlines had changed and nothing was mentioned about the sex of the shooter at all. For the first time in history, when there has been a mass shooting, the sex of the person mm-hmm. was completely um, erased from all mm-hmm. of the headlines. And I thought it would happen by tomorrow, by the morning. It actually happened within 30 minutes of when we first noticed the trend. Wow. wow. We, we quote at the beginning of that chapter, I'm pretty sure, we quote the passage from Genesis about the Tower of Babel and how the language was confused. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then, as Jeff was saying earlier about how we quote a lot of mostly secular sources, we have a lesbian feminist academic from Britain who says, the word trans has one function, and that is to falsify reality. As soon as you have a word that can institute the lie that a man is a woman, everything is reversed. Man. Wow. Well, as, as we as we kind of head into our last little little segment here, you know, I, I I see this and it's like, okay, as a society, we're a little slow to come up with the fire department in response to the fire. You know, there's no reason for a fire department if you've never seen a fire, you've never heard of a fire. So you want to address the fire two ways. One, we need a mechanism where we can get water to the problem and, and solve it. You also, you know, what can we do inside of homes? You know, you don't want to play with matches and do things that start fires and, you know, and have that. I think Benjamin Franklin started the first fire department in the city of Philadelphia, you know, and organized a, a structured response to a problem that they were having as a, as a society. So there's two sides to this. There's the, 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 the matches in the house and there's the response to it with the fire department. Um, what did, do you guys address kind of both sides of that in the book? Because part of our goal with this show is, is, to create a platform for people that might not be allowed to speak on other channels on certain topics, and then to have people have an increased uh, level of language to have better conversations at the water cooler, mm-hmm. you know, and at their dinner tables yeah. and these things. So, mm-hmm. so by downloading your book, by reading your book, is there an addressing of both sides of that, of the matches in the house and the fire department response to what we can take action and do? There is. Yeah, there's a FAQ at the end of the book that addresses the most complex questions that the parents have asked us. So you want to, you know, you want to go there. You don't want to, you don't want to miss the understanding of what this issue is all about. But that FAQ is going to be huge for people. And then chapter five also, uh, this is one we really labored over trying to understand what a biblical worldview of this would be. So it's time to go back and talk with our children about how God made us in his image. We are deeply valued by him, and he made us as male and female. Those are not just biological categories. They're theological categories. And the goal is to raise up young men to become warriors and defenders and protectors of the good, the true, and the beautiful. Mm -hmm. The goal is to raise up young women to breathe life into a culture that seems so inclined toward death. And then to to recognize that male and female were designed by God to harmonize with one another, and that an androgynous society is not a better one. A better one is in, one in which male and female interact sort of like two pitches of a roof, strengthening one another and mm-hmm. holding the weight better because mm-hmm. they lean on one another and harmonize together. Would somebody so enjoy this good. book, Jeff, if they didn't have a biblical worldview? We thought about having a segment on this show because we look at news cycles all the time, and, and we do examine culture and current events through the lens of conservative Christian values. We don't pull any punches on that. That's just mm-hmm. how we see the world. So we're going to talk about things from that perspective. We thought about having a segment, though, called 
you don't need no verse for that. You know, there's some things it's like, 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 you know, from a biblical worldview, that's wrong. But there's things going on in the world. Like, I don't need a verse to back that up. You just know, you know, uh, you know, could, could, would someone still enjoy this? Could somebody share this with somebody who maybe you don't know where they're at as far as being a, being a church person, Mm -hmm. but is it, is it still scientifically backed enough that they could enjoy it without a biblical worldview? I'll I'll answer that. Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) It's yes. I think so. Obviously, Jeff and I are certainly not ashamed of the gospel. We are outspoken Christians. We believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we believe he holds the antidote and that the gospel, uh, we we want to extend the hope of the gospel uh, to all who read. Uh, But as he said earlier, we've got over 102 footnotes, a lot of which are not from Christian sources. And indeed, in the introduction, we feature two quotes Mm -hmm. from two atheist evolutionary biologists, you know, you know. The knowledge I said this last week in Dallas, but the knowledge that human beings are sexually dimorphic mammals is knowledge that is accessible to everyone by human reason. You don't need to be a Bible believing follower of the Lord Jesus Christ to know that or to be able to obtain that. We can we are rational creatures. And so, (laughs) I mean, I think that, yes, there are some if you're not a Christian and you read this book, there will be some things that you may Tune out. I think we quote Pope John Paul II at one point, and there are you know other authors that we quote that may not carry weight in your mind if you are not a Christian. But we're not Bible bangy either. I mean, if we're not ashamed of it, but we're, it's not just overloaded with only Christian sources and only Bible verses. Uh, we try to convey through every single chapter. Um, now, the fifth one is more heavy on the gospel aspect of it, but throughout the first four, especially. Our view is that the truth is true no matter who says it. And so that truth can come out of the mouth of an atheist and it can come out of the mouth of a Christian. And if they're speaking truthfully, we will gladly highlight Mm -hmm. that. It's really good. Yeah. uh, David once said, and I think it's so true, when something's right, it's always right and opinions change. And uh, I think that is where we are. One thing I wanted to highlight before we let you go um, that I just got from the information is that, you know, there's side effects. There's all of these different things from these drugs that they're giving the kids, um, mm-hmm. obviously the surgeries that they're having, mm-hmm. but a high percentage of children grow out of this um, this gender dysphoria by the age that they hit pu- puberty. And so really understanding, I think it was like 70 to 80%, I think I saw, you know, statistic-wise. And so there mm-hmm. is hope. We just have to get this information out to people and help them to walk through this process. So thank you so much for everything that you all have done to help to get this information out. Again, you can go to summit.org forward slash protect to get this book. Thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. Do your feet ache and throb in pain with every step you take every day of your life? Kiss those days goodbye with slippers from MyPillow.com. How about that flimsy, flat little excuse for a pillow that's nothing but eight hours of disappointment? Causing you pain in your neck every single night. You can wake up with nothing but butterflies and rainbows around your head with a MyPillow pillow. Those hard wood floors hurting your old bones. No more with a MyPillow dog bed. Are your towels worn thin, flimsy, more patchy than Joe Biden's memory? There's nothing better than absorbent towels from MyPillow.com. 
For all of these products and more, go to MyPillow.com. Use promo code FLYOVER for up to 66% off. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan, he's back. The MyPillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever. MyPillow 2.0. When I invented MyPillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature-regulating thread. MyPillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of MyPillow. The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. For more great content, go to flyoverconservatives.com.